Welcome. You're listening to Namachon Makipazo. My name is Miranda Hannes. I'm from the Standing Buffalo, Dakota Nation in Saskatchewan. I'm a podcast producer. I was hired for the Pekiskwewin Project to record and produce podcasts featuring Indigenous languages spoken across Saskatchewan. Some people learn their languages at home, but many Indigenous people, like myself, did not have that opportunity. Years of colonial policies took away our languages. But with resilience and determination, we're regaining the knowledge of our Indigenous languages, culture, and identity. But where do we start? How do we ask for help? Should we take classes or seek out people to teach us individually? These are just a few questions I want to answer in this podcast. I want to look to Indigenous people for inspiration, First Nation people, Métis people, in cities and in their communities. People who are really taking up the challenge to learn their language. I recently spoke with Natalie Langan. Natalie grew up learning the Soto language from her grandmother, speaking it at a very young age. In this episode, Natalie tells us about how she was surrounded by her tradition and language for as long as she can remember. My name is Natalie Langan, and um, I am uh, doing, I guess, uh, participating in this in this interview, and hopefully, um, be of some use to you know the people that are wanting to learn their language, and hopefully, I can be a good uh, guidance for them, influencers, if, so to speak, and um, yeah, really, really looking forward to to um, being a part of uh, being a part of your podcast series here too, Megan. So thank you for reaching out and um, contacting me. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Um, so where are you from and, and what's your family background and what's your language you're uh, learning? Right. Okay. So, um, so I am Soto. I am, I am from Fishing Lake First Nation, which is a uh, which is a, a Soto First Nation, and um, so that's that's where I'm from. That's where I was raised. I my my entire childhood I was raised um, in that community, and um, just after that, probably until I was about 14, 15 years old, is when I moved to Regina, Saskatchewan, and. I've been residing there ever since, so it's been it's been quite some time since I actually lived back home. But for you know my entire childhood, I was raised on Fishing Lake, so it was uh, it, it was great. It's it's a very small community. It's a very small uh, First Nations community, and um, language is language and culture and tradition is is very strong in Fishing Lake, or at least from my point of view growing up in that community so that's uh, that's where I'm from and 
yeah. So I don't, uh, I don't typically get to make it back home as often as I would like. And um, now with, uh, of course, doing doing this podcast series as well, I'm hoping to to change that and and just be able to get out there more more often. So that is that is where I'm from. Okay. So did you, did was uh, Soto? Um... Did you hear Soto in growing up in the household or out in the community or with with extended family? Right. So yeah. So I'll get into I'll get into just a little bit of um, you know the the big background picture here and and how and how I I basically came into this. So I was raised by my paternal grandmother um, in Fish and Lake since uh, you know from infancy. And um, I lived with her until the age of 14 and then basically on and off until I was about 22 years old. And um, so my late grandmother only knew her traditional ways and to only speak Soto. She never knew um, how to speak English. She didn't know how to read or write in English or speak it. And she was um, very traditional and and um, only knew of of the Soto ways and that's all she spoke. So naturally, I grew up learning and hearing and speaking my language like every day from sun up to sundown. It was it was my culture, it was my language, it was my tradition. That's all I was surrounded with. So that's that's all I knew. That's all I knew. And you know, my family as a big family, my my paternal side of the family is a big family, and they're all very close. And of course, my dad and all of his siblings were, are, you know, very um, fluent speakers. And so, whenever we would have family gatherings or just you know visiting back then was such a big thing. We the, there was daily regular family visits with everybody and. Whenever those took place, you know, me being a child and in the background as all of these adults are visiting and and um, it, it was Soto. Soto was spoken all the time. The, only, it was only Soto that was spoken. So I got to, I learned the language very, very early and, um, you know, it's something that I was always surrounded by and something that I just knew. I, I grew up not not even realizing how fortunate I was in the moment of being raised in 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 that environment. So, you know, when when I compared myself to, you know, friends at school and whatnot, they actually they didn't grow up in that environment. So they were always so impressed. You know, when I um, knew the language and could understand it and could speak it, but to me that was just normal. That was, I didn't think of it of of being any different. But now, you know, in this day and age, I definitely realize, uh, you know, what what a how fortunate I was to be raised in that environment. So, yeah, it was it was something that I was raised with. It was consistently, you know, surrounding me and. So it's um, being being fluent in the language, um, you know, came easier to me than others. So that's that's basically where you know I I how I learned my language. 
Okay. So you've managed, have you managed to maintain it with your move to the city? So, yeah, and that's, and of course that's, that's the other thing, right? So being raised by my grandmother, who was a fluent speaker, um, obviously I wasn't raised by my parents and my, my dad is, is still, you know, very fluent in the language and my, my mom, not so much. And, um, so being raised by my grandmother, I, I had to only speak Soto. I couldn't communicate with her in English because she didn't know how to speak it and whatnot. So um, growing up with her and, you know, it was it was so natural. It was, you know, we were very fluent. And then um, my grandmother, my late grandmother, she, she um, succumbed to her illness and when when she had passed you know unfortunately so did our conversations and our language she was the only person that i spoke 100% soto to and um you know being surrounded by my my dad and his siblings who could all who were also fluent in english it seemed like there was like an just like an on and off switch there where it was like, you know, the adults would speak English to the younger kids. And so that was something like it was when, when adults were present and I knew that they could speak English, we would, you know, speak, speak together, uh, speak to one another in English. And that was just the, the normalcy of it. And, but when it came to my grandmother, it was just it was just Soto one on one with her, and that's how it was with everybody. Everybody knew that if you wanted to speak to my grandmother, it was only Soto that you could speak to her in. And so when she had passed away, you know, like I said, unfortunately, so did so did our conversations. And so it's been it's been 18 years now that she's been gone, and our you know, I'm not as fluent as I used to be because I've I've lost so much of the of the regular, the daily conversations of speaking Soto when she when she passed on. So it's um it's something that I'm you know, I'm still I can still understand the language one hundred percent, but there is still, you know, after her passing I I lost a lot of my language as well. You know, I for I forgot it. I forgot how to how to speak it so naturally, and it takes a little bit more effort on my end now when I want to speak it. It's um, it's uh, de- definitely changed over the last over the last eighteen years. So, but I've I've managed to retain still a fair amount of it. So that's um, yeah. So that's that's what happened after after she passed. Still trying to, still trying to live with it and keep up with it, and but it's uh, it's difficult when you don't have, you know, somebody on the regular to speak it with. So yeah, that's that's where we are with that one. Um, so that that's sort of been the challenge is is to maintain the language is is finding other Soto speakers. Well. So I still like my family, my my dad and all and and his siblings, the ones that are are left with us are they're still they're still very fluent and they retain the language and um 
you know, especially over the last couple of years, visiting with with our family members has been a challenge due to due to the pandemic. So it's um, you know visits used to happen regularly, and those of us that still manage to retain some of the language can, you know, could still be surrounded by those family members and understand and you know not feel so. I don't know, like left out or excluded and not knowing what you're talking about because we can still we can still manage pretty well, but over the last couple of years, yes, it's definitely been a challenge trying to trying to maintain it, trying to communicate with with others. It's it's just something that um that is not so practiced anymore and so I'm hoping that will change now going forward and but yeah it's 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 been a challenge to begin with but more so even with the pandemic just because you know there's been so much restrictions and we can't see family anymore and and the family that I that I have left back in the community of Fishing Lake you know I know that when I go there it's still you know a very Soto thrived community and the language is still very much alive in in my family's homes and it's um that's that's where i that's where i need to be to continue you know to to keep the language and but uh yeah so it's uh hoping you know going forward that that's going to change okay um yeah actually that's really interesting that the the pandemic has even even affected that that's that's actually something i hadn't hadn't heard from the other other speakers before like the other mm-hmm. interviews have mentioned that but that's a, that's a really excellent point um so what's been sort what sort of is keeping you motivated living uh in an urban setting to keep speaking so or trying to retain it yeah, so that's a good question because this is something that I've always reflected on. It's always been something that's in the back of my mind. And, you know, I I definitely consider myself one of the fortunate fortunate ones, fortunate, you know, generations to still, you know, retain um a good portion of the language and it's um you know, when you move away from home, that's that's a challenge in itself, right there. And you're faced with many challenges when when you leave home, and when you're when you're leaving that environment, you don't understand, you don't realize at that point in time what you could be leaving behind until it until it's too late. So, you know, growing up here in the city, um, I still I still went home often. It was. Um, I lived off and on with my grandmother up until I was 22. So it wasn't like as soon as I was 14, I left and then that was it. Um, and I say 22 because that's that's actually the age where uh, that's how old I was when she passed away. So during that time, I was still going home regularly, and I knew it just naturally, you know, being going home. It was we we spoke soda at home, and and that. And that was that. And then once you leave home, you go back to the city, and then it's back to speaking English. And um, so wanting to, you know, maintain this language, um, of course, now me being a mother and I have children of my own, and just seeing how things have evolved over the last 20 years, um, you know, new generations and um, older generations passing on, like you really visually see and experience 
experience the, you know, how everything has evolved and how things are lost in that. And I know in the back of my mind that I have this language that I've been gifted with. And I want to, I know that I have it, but it's a, how do I, how do I practice it? What, like, what do I do? How do I, how do I keep a hold of it? And it's, um, it's always something that, that's in the back of my mind. Like I should be doing this. I, uh, like initially my, my career choice was I actually wanted to be a, um, a photo instructor at, at the university level as well. And that's still something that's in the back of my mind is, you know, the, for those of us that have it, we should be teaching it so it, so it doesn't get lost. And so when this, um, you know, I, I have a, a very small circle of friends that know that I am fluent and, um, it's, it's something that they also, um, you know, speak highly about. And so, actually, when this opportunity came, um, it was a girlfriend of mine that said, um, "Hey, did you know that the university is 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 looking for a Soto speaker?" And I thought of you right away, and maybe you should like look into it. And so that's when you know I messaged um, Shannon, and this was way like a while back. This was in the very very beginning beginning. Um, process of this project it was just a discussion at that point and you know now that that it's come to life it was definitely something that I wanted to be a part of because I knew it would give me that opportunity to to speak it to to hear it again and of course retain it and have it a part of of something that people could tune into and listen to and you know maybe all the hopes with that, that they would want to learn it or, you know, recognize some words or, you know, maybe it might spark something within them. So that was, that's how my process is going forward with this is like, okay, I have this platform. This is the, this is the, the motivation, the push that I needed to realize, Hey, you, you have this language now, share it and, and get other people involved and that, uh, so that's where that's where all of that has come from from me you know being being involved in this project and you know being in the city of course you know gives you um you know just that opportunity as well just because you have access to more uh resources and just um yeah it's it's a really good opportunity so I'm hoping that going forward that this is going to help me pursue more into the language career that I've always been you know, wanting to be a part of. Okay. Um, so what what keeps you, so that, I guess that's what sort of keeps you motivated then is, is you have an eventual goal. You have an end goal to, to use your language for a career. Um, what sort of advice do you tell your friends that are sort of interested in the language or any so, anyone in yeah. general? Yeah, anyone in general. I mean, it's um so the, the, this is interesting it is it is definitely um i would say a, lo- a lot of patience and a lot of practice so when i took a university uh like soto language 100 and like 101 
I actually had a very difficult time in the Soto class because I I could not do the phonetics of it. I could not write it. It was it was something that that was very challenging to me just because I I was so you know just so fluent and when when you're fluent in in your language you know hearing how somebody else says the word and spells it out is so different than how you say it naturally because it rolls off the tongue rolls off of your tongue so naturally and when i was trying to write it out it was it was different it, i just i had such a, a a difficult time with trying to write out the soto language but whereas when it came to like the oral exams it was just like I didn't have to I didn't have to study for that part but for the written part of the exam it was something that I you know really had to put a lot of focus into and it's um I imagine that that's how it would be with any language learning how to write out a new language and and how to speak it but you know just even for myself it was definitely the you know of course embrace the language be patient and start with words that are small that you can easily remember and that you'll recognize them when you hear them and you know i i guess with anything learning anything new you would have to take um small steps into it be consistent with it and and i mean don't don't be embarrassed or shy to speak it and and speak what words that you've learned say them aloud when when you can so that you can remember them because hearing it hearing yourself say it is also a good tool on how to on how to learn it and if you're if you're in a position where you can find um like a fluent speaker then you know see if there are ways that you can reach out to to that person to get um get lessons or or just hearing it or find recordings just anything that will that will you know how you're comfortable with learning but definitely you know you have to be consistent and 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 patient for sure because it's not um you know it's it can be a challenge to to learn um a different language even though it's it's your it's your own native language it could still be a challenge for somebody so definitely just embrace it and be patient and be consistent is is what i would say when when you're wanting to you know learn learn any language okay um so who's sort of keeping you inspired uh now like when you when kind of when you want to give up what's what's what comes back to you is a why you have to keep going so it's not well i guess it it's definitely an inspiration it's um it's it's a gift it's a privilege even to know your language to to even know some of your language it's it's um it's it's a gift that i as i mentioned earlier it's a gift that i have that i didn't know then how important it is or it would be to have it now so it's um you know something that you just need to be just aware of embrace it um 
just be thankful for it. And I guess, you know, and of course, hearing, hearing your language can bring you like a sense of peace and serenity. And when, you know, when I hear it, I know that it's, it's like just a sense of peace. It's a sense of calm. And that's just something that I always want to have. I always want to know that. And uh, hearing it and speaking it, it feels almost like a connection. It's a connection to my late grandmother. Knowing that I can still speak it and hear it and understand it feels like a connection. And it's not lost, even though my my grandmother has passed on. I feel that this is still a connection to her and to our ancestors, to our family. It's something that I know that, that I have, that I'm gifted with. And so that's like my motivation to want to, to keep practicing it, to not lose it. Because if I lose it, then I'm going to lose that connection with with my late grandmother. And that is something that I that I don't want to, that I don't want to lose. So I can keep going forward with, with, you know, projects like this that motivate me to, to, you know, make me, make me speak it to others and engage in the conversation. And that's something that I always want to keep up with. Okay. Um, so just doing the math, how are you around, are you about 40? I am. I am forty. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm I I didn't. I was. I couldn't figure out your age. Um. And are you teaching this to your own children? I'm not sure how old your children are. Yeah. So I have. I have. Um. I have two adult children now, and a teenager, and and a child, and it's um, it's they, so they know that this is a project that I'm working on, and it's um. You know, when I when I speak it at home or when I try to teach them words, it's not um, it's not something that they're that they are taking to. So it's not, you know, even though I have this language and this is something that I've always struggled with before, was like I have this language. How come I'm not, you know, teaching this to my kids? My kids should know this. My kids should be learning this. And it, it's it's um, I think it like it just goes back to you know just me not having anybody to converse with. And so when you don't have when you don't have that, you know, I'm not getting a feedback. And it's it's different. So when I so when I do try and engage this at home, it's not um it's not something that you know is a priority when it should be a priority. So I guess, you know, just short answer, no, it's it's not. It's something that I'm actually not teaching at home. Okay. Um so when you when you went back home to say you wanted to interview people in, in the language, were you met with a with, with resistance or a lot of people were coming forward? Were willing to, oh, to participate. Yeah. So actually, you know, when I knew that um I was going to be doing this, the first person that I reached out to was my dad and I explained to him, you know, the, 
the the reason or the purpose or you know the what what's expected to come of this of these theories and whatnot and I told him that I I need help I need help I need you to help keep me in line so to speak I need you to help me be on track with with words and phrases and let's let's have conversations and I need to I need your help on this and and you know with without hesitation he he has agreed of course agreed to help me and has been you know uh just like a a mentor so to speak it's like I'm it's like I'm I'm also relearning this this process over again and you know having you know reaching out to him he's been he's been a a really huge support and you know it was something that I knew that I was going to be comfortable with I was like the first person that I want to help me on this project with is my dad and it's um so of course he you know open arms helping me with this and there's um um an elder of course on on fishing lake as well that is that is helping and so it's it's definitely being you know going going home and and having these discussions with them it's it's something that that's that is welcomed on their end and and for some of the people that I have you know tried to reach out to and ask them if they would want to be a part of this project it was um there was some hesitancy there as well and it's um I think it, it just goes back to well I'm not I'm not as fluent as I used to be either you know since so and so passed away I don't I don't speak as fluent as I used to either and I think there's more of a uh, not 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 necessarily a fear but you know um that they that they wouldn't know how to converse in the language and it could be something that's uncomfortable for them i'm not sure or it's it's a new challenge for them again you know to for them to remember the language i'm not sure but so it would definitely be a half and half response i've had total willingness and fullness, you know, to help me with this project. And um, I've had other responses like, oh, I, I don't know how to do this, but, you know, here here's a number of somebody who I think would be good for, to help you with. So it's, it's been, it's been both. It's been, it's been a blessing and a challenge for sure. Okay. Um, is there anything you wanted to add? Uh I mean, I guess, I guess just with my own self-reflection while doing this project, it's um, it's definitely eye-opening. It it has put me out of my comfort zone, but that's something that I knew that that was going to happen, and I willingly taking on the challenge to to get comfortable again. I know that like once I get comfortable with with everything again then you know I'm not going to be so hesitant anymore or shy or reluctant or you know to to proceed with things like this this is something that has definitely pushed me it's it's a learning 
learning all over again. It's embracing it. It's challenging. It's rewarding. It's beneficial. And I've just, I've loved it. I've loved having to, you know, re-engage with my language again that, you know, it's just, it's just a really humbling feeling to know that I I can do this in my language and, you know, have the ability to communicate with other people in this language and and it's something that I want retained. So when I, you know, found out that, you know, of course this is recorded and it's gonna be posted and, you know, all of that, I was like, what a what a great way just to have it retained and, you know, have these um, knowledge keepers, you know, have their side of the story, you know, recorded in, in the language. It's just, it's really beneficial and really um, a really humbling experience. And that's what I want out of this is, um, you know, for anybody that wants to learn their language or, you know, don't be don't be shy, take that leap. Like you can, you can do it. There, there are supports out there. I can definitely do my best to, to be a support to you. If, you know, if learning your, if learning Soto is what you want to do, I can, I can definitely do my best to, to try and help you with that. And we can, and we can learn and retain it together. And, at the end of the day, when it when it comes to the Soto language, I want, I want you. I want the person listening to it. I want them to feel at home. I want them to feel comfort and knowing that that when this is done or that whatever you're doing, you are helping to have this language be preserved and that it can live on. So that. That's um, it, it. It can be done. It can be done. I'm 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 a believer in that. So I'm I'm totally confident that um, only good things are going to come of this. Natalie is hosting her own Soto language podcast and interviewing people from her home community. Natalie's podcast is about leadership because she had leaders and knowledge keepers as strong influences all her life. Thanks to the Government of Canada for funding this project and the First Nations University of Canada for supporting it. For Nama Horn, Makipa Zo, I'm Miranda Hannes.